Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week is a Stand Up to Cancer special. For that reason, we're going to be parking the booze this week and enjoying a dry, sober conversation. Before we get started, just a little heads up. This episode contains talk of drug use and rather strong language. I am truly excited to be joined by a man who's something of a legend in the music world, In the late 80s, alongside his brother, his best mate Bez, and fellow bandmates, he helped create the scene and sound of Manchester with Happy Mondays, brimming with swagger and seemingly every drug they could get their hands on. Their sound and attitude collided perfectly with the rise of acid house and rave culture. But famously, what goes up must come down. And after years of excessive record sales and even more excessive living, the Happy Mondays dissolved into debt, drug addiction and a 12-year battle with lawyers. As the Mondays collapsed, my guest re-emerged as the frontman of Black Grape to huge critical success and having started using heroin as a teenager, finally got himself clean in his mid-40s. Ironically, having tried extreme rehab, stomach implants and cold turkey, it was eventually cycling and exercise that got him clean, furiously working out day and well into the night until his dependency subsided. Since then, we've voted for him in the jungle. We've watched him and Bez watch the telly on Gogglebox. And he's been back on our screens recently in Stand Up and Deliver for Channel 4, supporting Stand Up to Cancer. The show saw him coached and mentored by Jason Manford to pull off a 10-minute live set as a stand-up comedian. He does it, but he struggles, having recently in later life been diagnosed with both ADHD and dyslexia. Now 59, he's a father of six, is very happily married to Joanne, who manages his television work and they live together in Manchester. So let's give him a call. I can't wait. It's Sean Ryder. Sean, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes! Sean, how technically minded are you? Because this is a blooming nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'm not technically minded at all. You know, I can I can switch on the television. <laughs> that that's how technically that's minded it. I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the kid that used to go in the shops and touch something on the display, and it all fell down. You know. Yeah. How does it work on Gogglebox then? You don't have to set it all up. No, just sit there. No, no. They just come in here. You know, they set the gear up, leave it there for about a month or whatever it is. How long it takes to film, and uh, yeah. We don't have to touch it, you know. I mean, I'm sure Bez is much, uh, much different than me, you know, and if he touched it, I think it'd end up uh, just like if I'd touched it. <laughs> Pieces on the floor. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm, listen, Channel 4 have been keeping you very busy of late, not only with Gogglebox, but you've just done Stand Up and Deliver. When that, yeah. when that phone call came through, 
What was your first honest reaction? Tell me exactly what you said. Uh, yeah, I'll do this one because it looks like something I could probably do. You know what I mean? <laughs> and? And, well, I mean, look, I said it a load of times. I'm ADHD with a load of other conditions thrown in, you know, learning difficulties and disabilities. So, uh, you know, and I forget, you know, I mean, learning uh, from being a kid, learning's all about remembering. And, you know, I don't remember. I haven't done since I was a four-year-old, you know. I, I was 28 before I learned the alphabet. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that was part of my condition. And, uh, yeah, so. That's not Sean. How old are you when you were, so you were talking about the fact you've been diagnosed as having ADHD, attention deficit. Disorder. Yeah. And you were, tw how old were you when you were diagnosed with that? Uh, last year, 2020. The thing is, I've got, I've got six, six kids and four of them have got it. And it's only in their adult life, two of them, that, you know, they discovered the idea. And then my daughter, who's 12, when we were sort of, things was, you know, sort of uh, going a bit ski with, uh, and we had to start looking into it and everything else. And that's when I found out, well, it's got to come from somewhere and it's all come from me. So, you know, and... And it explains a lot, really, how, you know, my life's been chaotic. So uh, it explained a lot to me. And I didn't want, you know, my youngest daughter going through what I had to go through. So, you know, we're, we're on it big time now. But you know what? Believe it or not, there's still, still been ignorance about it. really yeah. is. You know, I mean, in the 1960s and 70s, you couldn't understand it. But, uh, you know, now, I mean, I've sent, you know, my girls to private school because I thought, you know, to get more out with the ADHD. And uh, it didn't work out like that. You know, there's actually more help in the normal schools. In the state system, yeah, because private schools aren't obliged to provide Senko teachers and Senko uh -huh. support, are they? And yeah. it is, I mean, it makes learning so difficult. To learning is impossible. I was told that, it, you know, it was a miracle that I ever learned to read and write. You know, I'm, I got educated in the 60s and at the same time I went to Catholic school and I was ambidextrous, so I was left-handed. And every time I picked up a pencil or a crane or whatever with the left hand, I was whacked and made to do it with me right. So I wrote around in circles. And I also, with the ADHD, your, your temper and your emotions, then, you know, I, 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 I sort of got psychopathic behaviour syndrome or whatever that is. And, uh, yeah, so he was branded an absolute lunatic and, you know, and, and bad behaviour and all that lot. So I never got on with school. Yeah, and you'd think back, Sean, you know, if, if it wasn't, you know, you that was your experience. But even sitting in a classroom full of 30 other kids, there was always somebody in the class that got tagged that. And you look back now and you think, were they dyslexic? Were they ADHD? You know, you, you just don't, we didn't have any kind of sympathy or empathy or understanding of a learning challenge like that, a learning difficulty. Yeah, I mean, when I think about it now, I, we had four sets at our school, and I was in set four, which is basically crowd control. You was put in set four because, you you know, you was a naughty kid, and, you know, you didn't do any work, and it was, really was crowd control. And every kid in that class, now I think back, and I know how a lot of them have turned out, and a lot of them are dead, uh, every kid in that, Class had some sort of, you know, whether it was autistic or ADD, ADHD, you know, APD, you know, these, all of them. <laughs> all of them had some sort of mad condition, but we were just all naughty kids, uncontrollable. When you got that diagnosis a year ago, did, did was it like a, a eureka moment for you where you were suddenly went, oh, everything makes sense now? Yeah, yeah I mean, because of the process we'd gone through with one of the girls, I was aware a couple of years before that, but it was only last year when I was diagnosed. But yeah, yeah, it was an absolute eureka moment because it explained everything. You know, it explained, you know, uh, why I, you know, why I lived a chaotic life. You know, why I, I couldn't learn. You know, your brain's not wired up the same. The messages don't shoot across. I had trouble, yeah. you know, understanding what people were saying. You know, because there's other sorts of conditions with it. You know, and I know. Seems to have got the jackpot and got uh, a lot, you know, controlling your temper and your emotions and everything else. It's a lot. No, it's like, yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, 
It was great, actually. I bet it was. And what's changed now that you know what it is? How do you live differently to help manage it or navigate life? Just uh, a lot of <laughs> meditation and all sorts of stuff. That's good. Yeah. So when you went in and did Stand Up and Deliver, did you know Jason before Jason Manford? I met Jason before, yeah. You know, I met him on, uh, I met him on, oh, what's he called? This, all this memory stuff as well, you see. People will say, oh, it's in the drugs, the drugs, all my memory's always been, you know, mad from, like I say, from being a little kid. Uh, you know, so it has absolutely nothing to do with drugs, you know. It's just, uh, you just don't remember stuff. Because, of the, you know, it's not wired up right. So Manfred had met him on football something. One on a Saturday morning, I'd met him on that. Yeah, so I am. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he didn't have to work with me proper then. <laughs> so what was it? I mean, obviously, you went in and you were very upfront with him. You said, look, I've got ADHD. This isn't going to be easy. And you got really annoyed with yourself and really frustrated. Yeah. Was it a scary process, Sean? Um, no, not really. I mean, look, it's because I've had this army life and, and I didn't even know about it. So everything's a challenge. You know, everything's a challenge holding your emotions in. Everything's a challenge with your behaviour. Everything's a, ch you know, I, I go on shows and be telling, you know, these are the rules of the show. And I'm thinking about dancing flower pop men from Mars. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't concentrate on anything. So, so it's, yeah. it's really, really hard. So, you know. It's just, just part of life, you get on with it, you know what I mean? And, and you just do, you know, <laughs> you do what you can do. But, as, you know, the, the, my point of view was it's an audience. I'm used to going on in front of audiences. You know, all right, I'm not going on there telling jokes, but, you know, I walk out in front of thousands of people and, and do a show, so. Was it far worse than you thought and scarier than standing up on stage and doing what you've been doing for however many decades now? Like you say, I'm not even capable of going, oh, I'm scared of that. Because you don't think like that. You just do it. You know what I mean? So it wasn't really like that, but he's like, I'm all, yeah, yeah, piece of piss, can do that. Then when I get, I got up there and it wasn't, it was just like, my problem was, it's like, look, you give me a set of questions that we're going to talk about on here. I looked them upstairs 10 minutes ago. I can't remember what they was, right? So I'm doing something, right, and then I've got, without an auto cue, right, which you usually get in TV and all that, like I'm on you know, stage and everything. I'm doing it without an auto cue, and I've got a disability. Yeah. You know, uh, I've got to think real quick, then it, it, goes, it goes even worse. So everything just went out of my head. I mean, I couldn't I could have been stood on stage just making stuff up and, you know, going blah, 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 blah. But, uh, yeah, it's just our goals. This kind of brings me to my first question, because despite the fact that you now know and understand that you've got a disability, all your life you've never been afraid to jump into something that's completely new to you, like completely out of your comfort zone. So I wondered if you could uh, go back and recall some of those moments that you've really loved or hated where you've had to do something that was completely alien to you? <laughs> Going outside the front door can be pretty alien to me, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's just, that's just how, I mean, it's like, look, I mean, can you imagine this, if I went on Channel 4 now, it's been 20 odd years ago, and, and, and I swore like that, and they actually banned a kid with learning difficulties and learning disabilities, right, and took him off the TV channel and put him in a book. That wouldn't happen now. You know what I mean? Because it'd be all talked about and planned or whatever. You know, I didn't go on Channel 4 and start wanting to swear and all that lot. You know, I was going on doing a song or talking to Chris, and, you know, that's what happens. You know, I've got ADHD. Let me explain. Because, you know, people didn't know, you didn't know, Others didn't know then that you had ADHD. Channel 4 famously named you in their compliance manual uh, and they banned you from live telly, didn't they? They they've lied, they banned you from live telly because you swore. Um, yeah, well, you wouldn't do that now, would they? Of, you're quite right now. If you went back, a young man with a learning disability, but there's no way that, A, they would have put you in that position in the first place and they certainly wouldn't have banned you and made, a, no. you know, made an example of you. Yeah, you know, but that's, you know, that's just how it was, isn't it? You know? No, there's a lot, even though I was saying before, there's, not, there's still not a much awareness. I mean, don't forget ADHD as well. It's not one fits all. You know, no. I could be sat next to another person with ADHD and 
you know, our sort of symptoms would vary. You know, I've got a kibosh foot, you know, I've got, I've got fucking loads of them. And, you know, if when I, you go back to that question about doing things that are out of your comfort zone, for example, let's look at like going into the jungle. You'd never been in a jungle before. You'd never hung out with people like Gillian McKeith. I mean, I had been in the jungle before. I mean, that's a rainforest, isn't it, really? And I'd been in real jungles. But that's not the point. My biggest thing was about meeting new people and meeting a load of lovies. You know, that was my thing, you know, uh, that 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 sort of was freaking me out a bit, not not anything else. And and, and it was lucky, really, because it was all, all all right, you know what I mean? It was all okay. Even Chilean, you know, it was just, I had a, I had a novel with her, you know. You did? Yeah. She's all right, you know. Were you there when she fainted? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a blagger, isn't she? That's what I like about, you know, I mean, you know, she's what, a poo doctor, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, no, no qualifications in poo doctoring or whatever. She just started, like, blagged it, you know. So I admire that. I like that about her. She's a blagger. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a bit like, you know, you watching telly on Gogglebox is the ultimate blag, isn't it? It's a great job. <laughs> is that brilliant? I mean, Sean, if you like, think back to when you first started. Oh, I wanted to be Banny Norman, me. When I was, you know, that was the only job I ever wanted, Banny Norman. That's it. Give me his job, I'll have that. <laughs> let's, let's go back, back to the beginning of your working life. I started working at 13 on the building sites and ripping cinema seats out of bingo halls all over the country, you know, through night, through the night. Titcher? Yeah. 13? Yeah. Who got you that job? Me. 13, you were working through the night. Was your mum not going like, Sean, where are you? Well, she knew where I was, ripping up cinema seats. She knew where I was robbing <laughs> and getting high and all that lot. So, yeah, you know, I wasn't expected to, you know, be academic and anything. So I was working. So she was happy with that. And the building, like labouring and all that lot, at the same time, if I weren't on the building site, I was off doing the ripping out cinema seats. And then at 15, when I'd left school... Uh, I, I, I went into the messenger boy, you know, and, and I mean, I didn't even really pass the exam for that. I mean, you know, my granddad knew the uh, postmaster and my dad was a postman. So, you know, it was basically as long as you could just follow the orders and go and take that there, you know, or, or go and put them in that big box there and put them over there, you know, you got the job. So I got the job. And part of the, the, the job that you had to do was delivering telegrams, and that was informing people that that, that either they were going to be evicted yeah. or that somebody had died. I mean, it's, it's, you, you were hardly, you know, the bearer of good news most of the time, were you? Yeah, no, yeah, you used to get that a lot. I had one on me, lad. Do you think it was a five? It was a packet of Johnny's or something. You know, someone put <laughs> <laughs> Oh, lad, I want on me. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. You know, we got to, you know, we was hanging around the centre of Manchester, with a bunch of lads, you know, just waiting to take these telegrams, you know, that came in every couple of hours. And, you know, we just, uh, you know, we used to go to, like, the pub and watch Bernard Manning in an afternoon or the strippers. So it was great, you know, and you got paid all right. I mean, although I was earning more at 13 than I was in a real job. But... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I hit more off the cinema seats and all that lot than doing proper, you know, that. And then when you was 18... You had to go and be a man then, not a post messenger boy, post boy. You had to go and be a man. And that was shit. <laughs> so uh, I dropped a load of acid and got sacked. <laughs> Which job was that from, Sean? The post office. Like I say, you, you, you're a post boy, you're a messenger boy till you're 18, right? Uh, 19 as well sometimes, if you're not, if you're still driving the vans or the mopeds. And then at 18, 19, you have to go and be a proper postman. Ah. And a proper postman is about, you get about £5 more a month uh, for working a million times harder, uh, and it's no fun. So, you know, I was sacked. Why were you sacked from that one? Uh, I was off the tits. It was boring. I mean, I just used to go in, tripping me nut off and, you know, taking big boxes of jeans home that should have gone to the Arndale to my gap. <laughs> So what came after that then, Sean, once you'd been sacked for acid trips? Well, the band, the set, I was 18 when I set up the band. Right, so straight into that. So in terms of like your experience of having proper jobs, 
it's that really, isn't it? Yeah. It's ripping out the cinemas. It's, didn't you used to deliver manure to people as well? Oh, that was when I was a little kid. That when it was the, the rag and bone man, you know, used to get the arse shit off the street and then bag it up and, and go and take it to the old ladies and sell it to the old ladies or, you know, the gardeners or whatever. That was when I was about eight. That's very entrepreneurial, Sean. You could have been the next Richard Branson with that kind of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Literally shoveling shit. Yeah, well, picking it up, yeah. <laughs> the amount of shovel. Pick it up and put it in the bag. <laughs> Think back to then and the working life that you've had since. I mean, do you consider yourself to have been incredibly lucky? Lucky? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely lucky. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, obviously, you, had, you needed a lot of talent and a lot of great tunes to get you there. But fundamentally, to be all these years on, well, as much as that, though, it's also being in the right place at the right time. I mean, it's that old one, isn't it? Old cliche. It's not what you know. It's then you know. You know, I mean, so we 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 met the right people. You know, we met we, we met a guy that used to have market stalls. He was best friends. You know, with a lot of guys that was worked at the Hacienda and knew Mike Pickering and Tony Wilson's pals. You know, and we hooked up with this guy and he introduced us to those people. And uh, you know, it went from there. Can you talk me through some of the most important relationships that you've had? The people that have changed your world. Oh, change the world. Well, I just named I've just named Tony there. Yeah, Tony Wilson. I mean, set the scene with Tony there, Sean, because for anybody that doesn't know, he ran Factory Records with Mike, wasn't it? Mike Pickering. Well, I mean, Factory, yeah. I mean, you know, Factory was really Tony and uh, it was Tony and Rob Gretton, really. Right. And then Mike Pickering, you know, was part of that team. Uh, Rob was New Order's manager. So, you know, it was like saying, you know, those was really important people that we got introduced to through, through Phil Sachs. Right. But, uh, I mean, I suppose the most important person for me, really, is my missus, Joanne. I mean, I met her, you know, she was 17, met her when she was 17 in the Hacienda, and her best mate went on to marry my best mate. Uh, but she blew me out because the band was sort of just about to sort of take off and she just went, you're just going to be such a twat. And you're like, yeah, I'm not putting up with any shit. <laughs> so she blew me out. But we'd always stayed uh, in the same group because, you know, her best pal and, and her mine. And, you know, he was, you know, we all worked in the, in the music business. So, uh, yeah. How many years passed between her blowing you out because she thought you were going to turn into a twat and you two actually getting it together? Oh, God. Well, she into... 17 to 35, whatever. Blimey, long time. Yeah, but we don't, like I say, we was in the same circle. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, because, I mean, you know, I mean, I really didn't grow up till it fought it. You know what I mean? I was still doing the same thing and behaving the same way at fought it as, as I was at 17. You know what I mean? It was just uh, many kids, aren't they? You know? So, uh, yeah. you know... It was like 40 was sort of grow-up time, you know, so, yeah. So by the time you two got it together, obviously you were coming out of being the eternal teenager. Who who made the first move? Yeah, because yeah, I would have been totally unaware. Really? You know, about anything. <laughs> really? So I don't know, really. I mean, so, you know, Joan knows what she's doing, you know. I mean, I don't, so. I didn't even ask her out. I didn't even ask her to get married or whatever. We got married and, and we ended up with each other. Well, uh, yeah. How did you end up getting married if you didn't ask her? It just happened, right? I'll tell you what happened there, right? We set up the christening for the youngest. Uh, and then we decided at the last minute, we didn't tell anybody, but we invited everyone to the christening. And then we got it set up so we'd get married while we was there at the christening, and then just told everyone, and I, you know, that we, we was getting married, and, oh, yeah, bollocks, my mum's running around saying, he's not, he's joking. Like, no, no, so, <laughs> so we got married at the christening. Whose idea was it to do that and surprise everyone? Yours, Joanne's? Not sure. Ours. 
Yeah, that's the set, that's the right answer. <laughs> She's got a great way of making it look like I do everything. You know, I invent everything. <laughs> I come up with. <laughs> do you know what though, Sean? If you had stayed together in that first time you got together when you were a much younger man. I mean, she's probably right. It wouldn't have worked, would it? You were too much. No, I'd be dead. She'd kill me. Yeah. <laughs> she really would, you know. I, I wouldn't have woke up after a night's sleep. She really would have, uh, you know, cut my throat when I was asleep. <laughs> I'm sure she wouldn't. But... She would. <laughs> so what made her think that actually now you're all right, now that now it's safe to proceed? <laughs> well, also, Joe jo was a, a special needs teacher as well, right? So she got a star pupil. You know, she totally understood and understands my behaviour and, and, and how I am. You know, I mean, I can still, you know, I mean, what I think's funny, a lot of people just think it's outrageous because I just don't think and I do mad shit that I think's funny, you know, and, and I have to, you know, I still have to really, you know, it's, uh, I have to really keep focused and, and control. And, and she does, does a good job at that. So she gets you, basically. That's that's the fundamental, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She got me before I got me, easily. And what, you know, if I was to sit down and ask her now, what made you want to get married to Sean then? What do you think she'd say? I don't know. No idea. Have you ever romanced her? Have you been, are you a romantic when it's just the two of you? I, I try to be, you know. Yeah. I, I try to be. I don't know if I succeed, but I do try to be. What would you consider a romantic gesture? A romantic, yeah, well, I mean, only because I've been taught about romantic gestures, you know, like cooking meals for someone or setting up a date and all that sort of thing, you know. I mean, I didn't have a clue. I really didn't, you know, to be told, shown. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you've got Joanne who really gets you and understands you, and then you've got Bez. He's also been by your side forever and a day. And he gets you, doesn't he? He's somebody that's uh, never listen, gone. Listen, my thing about that, right, is he's got conditions and he won't have it. He's, he thinks he's normal, right? And I'm not, I'm not you know, he's, it's like, so, you know, he's just not, no, I'm down with it. Uh, I mean, he's just as potty as I am. That's why we get on. <laughs> Everything that's changed in your life um, since you, you started working, Sean, the one thing that's never changed is Bez, really, isn't it? He's always been there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, since, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, me and him were, uh, you know, the team on a, on a lot of things, you know. I mean, especially, you know, sort of the same ideas on the Mondays and, and what we wanted to do. Who else has had a massive impact on your life, do you think? Well, it was the bands and musicians, you know, and... I mean, I was lucky enough to, to sort of grow up, you know, uh, with listening to, uh, you know, fantastic music on Radio 1 in the morning when he was going to school in 1969 or whatever, you know, and all, all you know, the, you know, all the fantastic, uh, the Kinks and the U and the Beatles and, you know, you name it. So, you know, all those sort of, you know, music, really. I mean, the main thing about that was, I'd, I'd, I'd never even thought of, uh, you know, I loved music. It was always in our house, our family, you know, and all different types of music. I loved it, but I never even thought about picking up a musical instrument or uh, being in a band until I went to watch uh, Stardust and That'll Be The Day with David Essex. And I thought, well, yeah, really? gonna, yeah, yeah, I, I think I'll do that. That looks good, you know, the birds, the booze, and the pot, and the pills, and all that sort of thing, as it was said in the film. thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, that looks an interesting life. David Essex. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. Still, I think it's still two of the best films ever made about the music business. That's one influence I wouldn't have expected to hear from you, Sean. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing about, you know, I mean, growing up, music was very clammy, wasn't it? He was a punk, he was a soul boy, he was this, that. Everybody that's in our band, you know, we was all open to say, you know, well, you know, we like mud, you know, or, you know, as well as Bowie or, you know, whatever, or, or, or Chas Dave, you know what I mean? It was, you know, you like music's music. So, you know, yeah. them sort of clanny kids, oh, we're this, we're that, you know, it was like, we was just like, no, we like our music. Well, then you're missing out, right? Because you're closing your ears off to a ton of great stuff. Absolutely, yeah. That's one of the things I've always loved about festivals is you go to a festival and it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. 
you know, you can wander around and you can have, you know, a bit of world music over here, a bit of soul over there, and then and anything else that hangs in between. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I did go to festivals, you know, I was always off my nut anyway, so I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Obviously, there's been a lot of recreational uh, drugs over the years, but also, you, you know, you, you, you can't remember stuff because of your disability. When you look back and people talk about massive moments and you can't remember them, what are the ones that you think, oh, I just wish I could remember that? If someone prompts me on something, I can sort of, you know, rem- remember bits, but uh, I forgot what I was going to say there. They had a good answer to that, and I can't uh, really remember what I was going to say. Don't worry. It does me head, you know, when people think, oh, it's, it's drugs, and I've always had this memory, you know, that's just shockingly bad. I mean, the thing is as well about drugs was drugs made me feel normal, right? Right. I was a fidgeter. I can't, I couldn't fidget all the time. I'm always, me- used to be always messing with me underpants and things and fidgeting and couldn't keep still. So I was one of them as well, stop fiddling. Still get now out of school, and 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 kids need, especially kids with ADHD. You've got to have something in your hand, messing with it, just to take out to take in what you're supposed to be remembering. Yeah. You know, it really does. So, uh, I mean, and, and I always felt uncomfortable. And then, as soon as I took certain drugs, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I could uh, sit still without moving about. I felt. <laughs> felt cool in my underpants, you know what I mean? Used to riddling about and all that lot. So they, they made me feel like I fit in. I was normal. That's extraordinary because most people take drugs to get out of it, not well, to become... You know, it's like riddling, isn't it? It's amphetamine, yeah. It makes kids focus. It makes you focus. Yeah. So, you know. So really, you weren't chasing highs. You were just trying to... Feel like you fitted in? No, it made me feel, you know, I mean, heroin to me made me feel normal. Did it? You know, it, yeah, absolutely normal where it didn't feel odd and ridiculous, you know, or, or you know, embarrassed because, you know, it's like, you know, the only thing that, you know, when I go, when I went on and, and did the sweaty thing with Chris, I mean, at the time, because you're on heroin, you don't feel anything. So there's no emotions there to it, so which is great because, if it wasn't, I'd have probably after that, because I'd sworn and forgotten did this, that, and I felt so shit, and I felt really bad, you know, because I, you know, I fucked up, I was embarrassed. So taking a drug that cuts out all emotions, to me, was just great, especially when you don't know how to deal with emotions. Yeah. It comes out in anger. You know, you go and beat somebody senseless because you just, you know, it makes you feel a dick. I never, ever thought of it in that way, Sean, because... 
I remember you, I've read, you've said that it wasn't until you finally really kicked heroin that you started to feel things again. And sometimes it wasn't nice to feel that stuff because it's, it's what you do with all those emotions? Yeah, I mean, that's why I took him in the first place, put him out of bed, you know. Even though you didn't know you had some sort, you know, you had this thing going on. But, you know, it certainly stopped me fidgeting and it started me feeling uncomfortable and stopped me feeling, you know, odd and ridiculous and like a sore thumb stuck out somewhere, but I don't know why, you know, so, yeah. And it's, an, it's interesting, isn't it, that all of that behaviour has been sort of rolled up into rock and roll legend. Yeah. That everyone thinks you're the wild man, the party boy, the nutter. And actually, it was all about trying to, to live with a disability. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of artists and musicians and things have got, you know, in from, you know, going back centuries, you know, have got uh, conditions. I mean, you're not going to put your fucking ears off, are you, really, if you haven't got a condition? <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> have you spent a lot of time sat there kind of linking it all together then, Sean, going, this all makes sense now? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That must, yeah. That must have been quite strange. Yeah. Uh, Enlightening. Yeah. You know. But also, when you've got kids that have got ADHD, you really get them. And I think for a lot of people that are parenting children with a disability like that, they don't understand it. You really do understand it. That must be helpful in your family dynamic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really is. I mean, no, I've been really lucky. I'm still alive breathing. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I've had a, you know, a pretty decent life, you know. So, but, yeah. Uh, it's fucking ain't for any of my kids to go through what I have to be, you know, you know, all the nuttiness that goes with it. Yeah. Do you feel more calm with it now? Do you want, now that you know what it is and you're able to, are you able to manage it? How does it work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as best as, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a lot better. You know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm looking at. I know when things can start to get a bit, ooh. You know, I mean, I, you know, I can still have outbursts. That's it. Uh, and now that you understand yourself better, has life changed, Sean? Is what's what's the upside to Well, growing old helps. Getting older helps, doesn't it? You, you know. Oh God, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's why they let a, a lot of prisoners out of jail once they start eating fifty because they're not as dangerous. <laughs> so, uh, you know, <laughs> it just gets easier. And yeah, you're right. It does get easy, but also, I mean, you've, you've had a lot of lifestyle changes as well. Um, I mean, at one point, you were an exercise fanatic, weren't you? Yeah, I was until my hips went. You know, I mean, I did a lot of bike riding. I mean, that's how I stopped the heroin, really. You know, I've been I've been in loads of rehabs and stuff over the years, but I was always going in for somebody else or for some reason, you know, uh, that wasn't, you know, me wanting to get off it. Uh, like, say, when I hit 40, uh, I didn't even bother with rehab. I got on my bike, went through cold circuit because I wanted to do it, you know. That is amazing. So what, you suddenly had that moment, which I think you're right, any addict, any dependency you've got, you've got to want to give it up or it's never going to work. Yeah. And you having been through implants and rehabs and every treatment pretty much out there, you thought, I'm just going to get on my bike yeah. and cycle it out. Yeah. Is it? And it worked. Yeah, I mean, again, it was like me other my kids who were, you know, now in the one's 30 and that it was you know when they you know they was getting a bit older uh, and it wasn't you know infants and they were starting to get older and becoming aware of what you know the dad was or did it was like you know i didn't want to start embarrassing them you know so yeah yeah i mean some might say for both of us sean it's a bit late for that and they've got access to Google. <laughs> We're screwed. Oh, I know, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. How old are your kids now? You say the eldest is 30. Eldest is 30, youngest is 12. Wow, that's quite a range, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, have you got any grandchildren yet? No, not me. Bez has. Bez is a granddad. I see. Our kids are granddad. Uh, we've got a few granddads in the, in the band. But no, I'm not, you know, because, yeah. My girls are quite intellectual. They're not going to have children yet. <laughs> Till they've got their diplomas. <laughs> What's it like when you're at a Monday's gig and people turn up with their grandchildren? That must be a bit... 
Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I, I mean, our fan base really, you know, goes from, oh, you know, nine years old to 90 years old. Yeah. You know, it's great. And it spans so many different classes as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. We've got the Sun readers and the Guardian readers. You really have. You really have. I mean, yeah. not many bands can do that. And you did it without even trying, which is even better, because you just didn't care at the time, did you? As long as someone was listening. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was always, I mean, we did, you know, people think that we didn't work out as a band. I mean, we really did. I mean, none of us could play. You know, none of us. I mean, I'd never written anything in my life, really, you know. So I got the job as a songwriter. I wanted to be drummer, but timing was shit. So, uh, you know, I got the job as a songwriter. Our kid ended up getting the job as a bass player. The, the one person who could read music in our band, uh, you know, he, he was also, he was one that, you know, had the job as a teacher and everything else with us. You went in not knowing what you were doing, really, did you? None of you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, also, we, we got, you know, we got to make records way before we should have, you know, we literally had just started to be able to play instruments. You know, I wasn't even really songwriting, you know, I mean, I'd stuff off the top of your head sort of tackle, you know, I didn't know about course, various, middle eights, you know what I mean? But because we got hooked up with the right people, you know, the next thing, we're, we're making a record and it's like, you're not going to turn around and say, well, we're not going to make a record because we, you know, we shit, you know, you just got to jump on and do it. You know, so... Uh, you but know. you've been a bit promoted above your station already, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, I did have to, learn, had to learn on the job. I mean, one of the first songs I ever wrote, I think it was about Vietnam. You know, what's, the, what's that about? Right, so, you know, because obviously I'm thinking, yeah, it was on the telly when I was a kid growing up, wasn't it? The news was always on and Vietnam was always on. You must have got good at the job of songwriting because 20-odd years later... You got Damon Albarn going. I want you on this record. Come into the studio and be part of Gorillas. Yeah, although that was like you know you know the story of that one. You know you know Damon, come come do some writing. No, come write something. And I, at the time I was dry. I was going through a blockage. You know, writer's block. So I had nothing. So I, I go in the studio and I put the cans on, and the traps playing in the background. I like, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. And this is doing that. It's going up. It's going up, it's going up. And then when it got to the level where it's there, and he went, right, <laughs> say that again. Going up, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up, there. That was, so that was that done. That was it? That was a quick number one, wasn't it? <laughs> That's amazing, Sean. Yeah. But also I think a lot of people don't realise that one of your biggest hits was a cover and that you reworked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, we did that on the Juress. What it was, it was a, we were on the lecture. Our label was Electra in America, and it was Electra's 25th birthday. Uh, we all got given Amiga watches. Really? And they said, right, <laughs> what we need you to do is we want you to take a, a back catalogue of uh, an old Electra artist and, and, and do something with it. And we are, oh, do we have to? Yeah, you've got to. So basically, they gave us a C90 cassette tape with loads of stuff on. And I think that was like either the first or second track on there, Step On. Because we didn't want to listen to all the rest of it, you know, like what was on there by the artists. It was like, let's do that one. So we did a really rough job of it, sent it to Oakenfield while he messed about with it. But he sent it back, we did a little bit, and then that was done. That was done in about five minutes. Really? So, but we, you know, of course we didn't want to do it because it was a cover. And then the next thing, you know, it's out. And then it, we had to do another one because we was using that as a single because it was too good just to give away, you know, on their, their happy birthday album, Alexa. So we, we recorded another one and we kept that one. Wow. It was pretty raw what we sent to Oki. Yeah. And now look, it's, it's like the, the pension that you'll, you'll, never, yeah. you'll never regret. Yeah. Although John Congress is a tight get, you know, we don't get a penny off that. Do you not? <laughs> No, no, you know, well, you know, that's mine going up, going up. Oh, wait, no, that's another one. You're twisting my melon, man. Call the cops. Yeah. But, you know, we don't, we don't get a penny off it now. No. <laughs> oh, Sean, that's devastating. Have you tried? I think we get PR, PPL or something. You'll you know, get performing rights, but you won't get songwriting. Yeah. No. I even said to, I even said to their people, I said, look, 
Just give us one percent. No, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've made him a rich man. Yeah, not well. You ever met him? No, I'm not. Would you like to? Not particularly, no. <laughs> Before I let you go, Sean, um, looking back at your uh, stand up and deliver, uh, are you glad you did it? And what did you learn from it, even if you couldn't remember everything you wanted to remember? Yeah, I learned, calm down, lad. Uh, you know, look, it was for a good cause, you know. Uh, uh, don't get overconfident again. I really thought I could sort of do it, you know what I mean? Because it was just, to me, it was just that simple. You go on, you tell some jokes or whatever. I mean, what, when it all got confusing is when I had to translate what I was doing and it was then not how it was in my head. It was written on, like, you know, scripted down and I just couldn't remember it. You know, I needed a lot. It's like if I do, you know, if I do some acting or something, I get, you know, months to spend on, you know, learning the lines. What made you want to do it for Stand Up to Cancer? What, what's your what's your pull with the charity? Well, I mean, it, you know, I mean, cancer's it, my family, you know. I mean, it, I was, you know, I've been aware of it since I was, you know, four or five years old. Me, me, me granddad had it. He had bowel cancer. So, uh, you know, you know, I watched him go through it. And uh, then my nana, uh, she had uh, her legs off. Uh, and my granddaddy had it, so you know it's it's, it's yeah, it's, it's hit quite a few in our family. Well, it's one in two people now will be diagnosed with cancer, and that's the big problem after COVID is getting people to go and get checked out, get yourselves to a doctor, uh, because early detection is often uh, the greatest path to recovery. In that, it's essential. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So go and get checked out, people. There's nothing to be scared of getting checked out. No, exactly. And do you go and get all your, your your health checks done, Sean? Are you on top of all of that? Yeah, I have to, yeah, because I've got an underactive thyroid, so I don't even have a thyroid, right? Jeez. You know, so underactive, it makes you blow up. Yeah. And then also, when your thyroid goes, I also got to be testosterone. So I don't have to, I have to use testosterone replacement. And then all sorts of things, because my thyroid went... Loads of other things go because your thyroid controls a lot of stuff, yeah. you know. So, yeah. And you've really been through it. You've got your hips. You've, have you had your hips replaced? Yeah, well, one of them. I've got to have another one done. Cool, you've got it all going on. Yeah, and then look, look what happened to me. All my body hair and my head hair and all that lot fell out and my eyebrows and all that lot. Was that because of the thyroid? Yeah, yeah. All giants here. I mean, what it was is. We had to stop my testosterone replacement for a while because my blood cells was turning some other colour. Don't know if it's white or red or whatever. These blood cells was going dolly. So we had to stop my testosterone replacement. And then literally within a week or two, then everything had gone and, and all that lot. Growing back now, then, yeah? I mean, I, I just, look, I just had my eyebrows done. I went, popped over to London the other day to get my eyebrows done. And then that's not real there. It's called... Uh, it's called uh, skin pigmentation. Right. So that's basically, it's a, you know, a, it's like a tattoo, that, and, and my eyebrows. So they've tattooed your eyebrows on. And will you, is your hair growing back now, though? I thought you had a little bit of No, rebirth. that's the same. That, that's what they call skin pigmentation. Skin pigmentation, it's called. It's a procedure that you get done, but it's similar to a tattoo. But I had it done on my head and done it on my eyebrows. Oh. Yeah, I'm totally unreal. I mean, they're not real. But you lost most of your teeth through drug abuse, didn't you? Now, that was out of drug abuse, yeah. That, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. not heroin, but the other one, the other, what you want? Crack. Crack and, 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 and crystal meth. Oh, jeez, Sean. Um, and these are, so they're all veneers now, yeah? No, not veneers. I had veneers years ago. And then when the veneers uh, were crap, had, these are all uh, screwed in. I actually had these done in in, a, in, in an eighteen hour session. The lot eighteen hours you were under. Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, we had the what do you call it, an ethicist. I was like, you know, he wired me up the ethicist and was just letting things. Ooh, I don't care. Do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're wearing them well, Sean. You're wearing them well. And now that the world's slowly starting to open up again, uh, are you back out on the road? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like I say, 
Joanne's made up, you see, because she won't see me now for about five years and she, she's, uh, she's very happy. Has it been being locked down together? It's been good, really. You know, it's been all right. She might give you a different answer, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I've enjoyed it because, you know, I, I, you never get to spend this much time at home, you know, and no. so, you know, I've quite, I mean, I'm ready now for going back out there, but uh, I, I have enjoyed it. That's nice to hear. Oh, Sean, take care of yourself. Look, get get that other hip in quick and smart. Otherwise, you ain't going to have much movement on stage, are you? It's bone. I'm bone at the moment. Oh, Sean. <laughs> Look, you take it easy and thank you so much. Thank you. Sean Ryder, what a gent, finding the time today to shout about the brilliant work of Stand Up To Cancer. And if you want to help, if you want to get involved or just donate, go and visit their website at standuptocancer.org. UK. And please tune in next Tuesday. We are dropping a very special bonus episode where I'm going to be catching up with Deborah James and Lauren Marne, who you'll know from their brilliant podcast, You, Me and the Big C. We spoke with the girls at the very beginning of lockdown about what life looked like for them living with cancer and the realities of what lockdown could mean for the cancer community. It's a fascinating episode. Please, if you have the time, do give it a listen. And as I've said before, we haven't touched a drop during the making of this episode today because it's a Stand Up To Cancer special and because there is a proven link to alcohol causing cancer. As always, the show's produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Richard Hatherall and Libby Knowles for Yahoo UK and our music's provided by Andy Bell. If you like what you've heard today, then please do rate and review us, especially if you've got nice things to say. And if you want to join the conversation with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WhiteWineQT. I'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.